3D. Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the Fateful. And for the Fateful, I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. It's been really nice. Well, it's been really swelteringly hot, but I like that. So I, I'm, I've been uh, really enjoying it out, outdoors when I get outdoors. And I watched, uh, for the first time, Bruce, I watched a little bit of hockey last night. I haven't watched yeah. since the orders went out. I've had no desire at all to watch hockey. Watched a couple of good movies. I watched this uh, movie called The Gentleman. Have you seen that one? Guy Ritchie. It's on Netflix. Uh, anyway, so I watched a bit of the Chicago Blackhawks Vegas game, and I saw Vegas score two goals to get back in the game, which they eventually won. And Jonathan Taves was at fault on both of them, as far as I could, from my own read of it. Um, he abandoned that. He didn't cover down. Long. He was puck watching, didn't cover the guy in the front of the net. And then he got caught up ice when he could have been helping out on a three on two and reminded me very much of the McDavid dry sidle uh, faux pas. So even the best of them, Jonathan Tate's captain Sirius, who has a reputation of being the best defensive player in the world, the best defensive Selkie center in the world. Selkie trophy winner. Man, he was just totally, I don't know. It's interesting. It's fa- just hockey happens so fast. Uh, and players get tired out there. They're and they make you make one wrong decision, or you just lack the, that spark of energy in the key moment. And uh, the Selkie Trophy winner can uh, look terrible on defense and cause absolutely critical goals against. So uh, anyway, uh, Bruce, we're going to talk about. Uh, sorry for that little. Uh, oh, brief, uh, Glad to uh, hear you're watching hockey again, Dave. Yeah, we're going to talk. I've been evaluating the Oilers, of course, nonstop, yes. which is my. Yeah focus always and uh, I'm a one guy team um, <laughs> we're going to talk today about Mike Smith and Mikko Koskinen who are big in the news because as people process I think the Oiler fandom has been processing what went wrong and they've, they've cast about and I, I think they're Bruce I think people are maybe this is just me but I think okay I am focused now on a couple areas I think um the defense being too slow and um, the lack of team defense to support them in the playoffs was a big issue. I think that um, the goaltending was a big issue. And I think that Kent Holland has got to address both of those things um, as long as, as well as, a t- as someone to play with McDavid. But that may be solved internally, the McDavid thing. I'm not sure about that. The goaltending thing, Bruce, is, is I think actually where Holland and, and on defense, that's where he's going to have to be more aggressive. And um, so there was a number of posts on this today. Mark Spector wrote about it. I wrote about it. And Mark Spector, uh, you know, they're digging into whether he's digging into whether Ken Holland is going to keep um, Smith and Koskinen next year. So what did he write on this, Bruce? What was kind of the, the nut graph, uh, the main point that was made in Spector's column? Just that Holland, I guess, is still evaluating. I mean, he asked him about uh, should, should he um, uh, court Mike Smith or should he look elsewhere? And Holland's quote, this is from last week's presser, we're pretty much at the end of April in a normal season. You're at a point where we've been knocked out of the playoffs, but the playoffs are ongoing. And he says, it's that time where if you're not in the playoffs, you're down watching your American League team when you're over to the U18s or the Men's World Championships. And of course, none of those things are happening in August. In yeah. fact, all of them got cancelled this year. So he's kind of 
Holland's in a in a strange space where not only is his team out of the playoffs, but there's nothing else to do but evaluate. Yeah. And one suspects that much of the evaluating is being done by watching um, the NHL goalies that are playing right in his own backyard uh, yeah. in, in the playoffs. And not only watching them, but also looking on the bench on those teams and seeing the guys who aren't playing, who maybe in a different situation would get a chance, you know, and th- this has uh, long been certainly the Oilers MO and many teams to find a backup from another team. You know, I mean, we can go back to Tommy Sallow uh, uh, to find a backup from another team that wound up being uh, the number one man in, in Edmonton or, you know, or, or Bill Dwayne Ranford. Rolison. Bill Ranford, yeah, sure. Dwayne Rolison or, or uh, uh, certainly Cam Talbot. And a couple of lesser successful examples like Ben Scrivens and Victor Fast. Uh, you know, what the, 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 the rationale was always the same. Let's find a guy that's playing 25 games somewhere. He's got some, you know, uh, promising stats. And uh, let's get him on the cheap and see how he does as a number one. Well, in Edmonton, they're, they're more looking for a 1A than a 1. I think Koskinen, between his contract and his performance... I don't think he's the guy they move on from, but I think Mike Smith, uh, his chances of uh, sticking around uh, took a massive hit in uh, uh, a season where he posted uh, in his official stats in the playoffs an uh, 11.31 goals this against average. This is not average, fair, Bruce. This is not And a fair. .783 uh, save percentage. Well, let's just say he got his chance and he uh, didn't <laughs> didn't do the job. And unfortunately, in my view, um, uh, Coach Tippett kind of messed up the rotation a little bit. Because yeah. uh, normally, you would go back to after uh, Costin lost game three, you'd go back to the other starter in game four. But in that's where the best of five, because the best of seven would have sort of given each goal, goalie two chances to lose a game before you're out. Whereas in the best of five, they were already down to their last life by the time each goalie lost once. And he picked Koskinen for game five and or four, and Koskinen didn't really come through either, which is why people are up in arms about the goaltending. I mean, they got smoked for 16 goals on, uh, uh, you know, not that many shots that Chicago had outside of game one. I wonder how many uh, goalies, Bruce, are, are kind of the supernova goalie who come out like Grant Fuhr, Carey Price, right from junior or right from maybe a year in the AHL, Carter Hart, and then seize the job. Um, and how many are are more in the that category of um, backup for a year or two and then, then seize the job? If you looked at all the starting goalies, I might actually do that because it certainly has been a trend with the orders. We've had very, you know, we tried it with Dubnik and right. uh, coming out and develop, developing them on our own. And that is a path for goalies, but... Um, I'm not sure that the drafting and developing of goalies is the the way that most NHL teams find their starting goalie or the optimum way. It is draft and development is the optimum for every other position, obviously, no hands down. Not sure that's the case with goalie. And, um, you know, it's Kent Holland. He's he it's it's he, very sensible answer, I thought, to Spectre. Mm-hmm. You know, he's thinking about it, but. We did a fan poll, Bruce, and fans are a little bit ahead of Ken Holland on this one. Perhaps <laughs> not surprisingly, we had 2,600 people vote. And what? And the question was, what should the Oilers do in goal? And option A, stick with Koskinen and Smith. So status quo. Seven, only 7% of the fans want mm-hmm. the status quo. 
very, very small number of people who believe that the owners should stick with the status quo and that Elvis lives. Uh, in the other category, we had uh, keep Koskinen, not Smith. Keep Miko Koskinen, get rid of Smith. 64%. So that's by far, and this is informed by realism, right? Koskinen, partly. It's not just preference. Kosk, a lot, most fans realize Koskinen has a two-year deal, 4.5 million. Highly unlikely you could move him to another team uh, for that length of time, even though he had a 917 save percentage this year, which is really good. But I don't be pretty hard, I think, to move Koskinen. And I don't know. I haven't looked at how many teams are in the hunt for a starting goalie, but he's that's pretty pricey, even for a goalie with the save percentage that high. Okay, uh, keep Smith, keep Mike Smith, move Koskinen. The least popular option, Bruce, 4.3%. Want to keep wow. Mike Smith over Koskinen. Hardly anybody. Uh, and then the last option is uh, get two new guys if possible. And 24% of the fans wanted that. So I'm definitely in the with the majority group myself in the keep Koskinen, not Smith camp. Mike Smith has had two years of subpar uh, save percentages in the regular season. Now, people who, if you want to apologize for him, you could say, well, he's had a couple bad slumps those years. But listen, every player has slumps. And, yeah. and we, we, we rate them all on their average performance over time. Save percentage is a fairly, it's probably the best way that we have, imperfect, but the probably the, you know, if you're back of the envelope, take on goalies, save percentage is fairly indicative of their play, especially save percentage compared to the other goalies on their own team. And Koskinen's save percentage was a lot better than Smith's this year. And I thought Koskinen outplayed Smith this year. And he's 38, two subpar seasons in a row. You know, I thought the bet was a coin flip on Mike Smith this year. Maybe heads, heads he's going to play well most of the time, tails he's going to flop. And I think they they won the bet this year. It's a less, it's even a more iffy bet this year, Bruce. And for me, the deciding factor is this: you need a, you're not looking for a backup goalie with the Oilers. You need a goalie who can come in and challenge Miko Koskinen, who's still a question mark for the top spot, and play 40 or 50 games. That's what you have to find in this position. And I don't think Mike Smith's a good bet for that. So I'm saying, like, if we're going to do keep, hold, or fold on Mike Smith, mm -hmm. I love his fire. I love his energy. I love what he brought to the team. I even like this puck moving as erratic as it could be at times. But um, I'm in the definitely in the fold camp um, with a 38-year-old goaltender who has had two subpar seasons in a row and failed in the playoffs. What about yeah, you? Yeah, well... You had, in your poll, you had two options of keeping Smith and two options of not keeping Smith, and he got 11% between the two options, 4% <laughs> yes. of keeping him and dumping uh, Koski, and 7% of keeping both. And the other two options both involved replacing Smith or both, and that was like 88-plus percent. So that's, that's uh, you know, the, the people have spoken in that respect. Not that uh, polls are infallible by any means, but... Uh, uh, I personally voted in the with the majority group as well. Keep Koskinen. and that's just a realistic state of affairs. That you know they're they're kind of stuck with him with the contract that uh, uh, Peter Shirelli signed him to in his last act. But uh, the case can be made. Other than he didn't have the games played of a starter, but his stats were certainly 
pretty good and he performed not bad. You know, you could say in the playoffs he didn't come up as big as, you know, as big as he is. And, you know, leaving the short side open when you're six foot seven is a little bit tough, you know. But anyway, I, I, I just don't see any realistic way of moving him unless you're moving him for another big ticket goalie. And that's a trade that would have to make sense for the other team as well. And I just don't know, uh, you know, how... Like Tuka uh, Rask. You trade yeah, him well, for I, I threw Rask. that out in speculation yesterday on Twitter. And I got taken to task by the Twitter police for my first speculative trade suggestion in about five years. That uh, I, don't think, time, I don't think Tuka Rask is coming back to Boston was my point. So maybe now is the time to ask about that guy. Maybe, maybe you don't like what you hear when you do ask. Maybe he's not coming back at all, but maybe you should ask, you know. It was an excellent question to ask, actually. I mean, Kevin Paul DuPont, who's mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the dean of hockey writers in Boston. Right. He's saying, he's saying he doesn't mm-hmm. think Rask is coming back. Why wouldn't you ask that? Why wouldn't you speculate on that? And you're right. Like, this is good. It would have to be a money-for-money money trade. Right. The only way Boston, you can afford Rask is... I, I think there's a bit of a faction of Oilers fans who, who don't like Koskinen maybe because of, his, because of his contract and just think, oh, that's crazy to think that Boston might want a goalie with a 917 safe percentage. But Tuka Rask's safe percentage... Uh, over the last five or six years has been around 917. I mean, it's like on average. So it's not, this isn't, this is actually a really, that's an interesting idea. And it's the kind of interesting idea that Ken Holland should definitely be exploring. So I'm, I'm giving you a thumbs up on that tweet, Bruce, and uh, to, to hell with the Twitter police. Just, just the Twitter police, idea, you know, why not think yeah. about it, right? I mean, there, there, there's, sometimes there's volatile situations somewhere else that can be taken advantage of. And I mean, Tuka Rask is a pretty high profile version of that, but I don't think he's coming back to Boston and I, there's a pretty good chance he's done with the NHL and he may just decide that he's going to play it out in, in uh, Finland or, you know, SHL or something, or, you know, I mean, he's made a huge pile of money and clearly he's now at the point where uh, his, his, uh, Loyalty's got a little bit divided in the playoffs, and he's he's really gotten raked over the coals. I'm not entirely sure he deserved it, uh, but uh, it, it is a strange situation that he came back, did play, and then left. But I, I, I think the way I looked at it is that when it came to decision point, he was at a point where he was maybe thinking to himself, would I rather lose this series and go home than win it and stay around for another two weeks or two months? And... As soon as he started asking that question, he might be thinking, you know, the team might be better just going with the guy who's all in, and that's not me. And, you know, and it's, uh, uh, you know, it's hard that's to frame really it as a team first. first. But, I mean, if that's the way that, that he's thinking, maybe he is just better off to get the heck out of there. Avon calling? Uh, your, fac- your facial creams are here, Bruce. That's the phone book. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, my hair products. <laughs> your, your moose. <laughs> the only moose you know is moose dupont. All right. Uh, that's, that's it. We, of course, we can't read Rask's mind. We do not know. And we, we don't know anything. His, his comment was, seemed fairly cryptic about why he was leaving to me. Like, I, I, and I'm just, so I'm not going to say anything about it. He, People have the, you know, I guess they had this, they have this, anyone can leave their job 
um, at any time based on the terms and conditions and whether he let down the team or not, I'll leave that to Boston Bruins fans. I know how I would feel as an, like, listen, if I'm completely honest, Bruce, if I was an Oilers fan and a key player on my team left in the middle of the playoffs, I would probably have that, you know, that ticked off reaction that some people are having as well. Well, trying to understand it and put everything in perspective as well. But I understand kind of the knee-jerk, ticked-off response as well. So I'm not going to... Which is the only reason why I think he might be on the block is because he he's he will have fallen out of favor with a lot of Boston fans. And they oh, may and just decide to... Teammates. And, coaches. yeah, while well, the teammates are saying the right things, anyway, I think they might move on from him. So, it's, anyway, then, uh, yeah. enough said about that. He had a 929 save percentage this year. And uh, he's had a 9.22 career save percentage. Like this is an elite level goaltender. It would be a step up, but he's only got one year to go, and he's got seven million on his contract. So even if you move Koskinen, you're paying an extra two and a half million next year. So it's you know not easily there's, done. So there's other possibilities. Let's go through them, okay? Mm-hmm, um, sure. I identified a number of them, and I didn't really focus on Rask. You know, I think you should write right. a post tonight about Rask. I think this is a really, I think that's a very interesting idea. You should explore what, dig into it and and, and see if it, if there's an air of reality to it, because I think it's a great suggestion. So I, I think the most likely candidates, Bruce, I narrowed it down to a group of UFAs and a couple RFAs. And um, so there's, if we're to put them into groups, there's kind of the older guys who are, either the backup goalie most of the year or part of the year for their team and the, their team has another good goalie. So there's Anton Huboden and Thomas Grice. Mm-hmm. Huboden's in Dallas. He's currently the starting goalie in the playoffs for Dallas on a winning team right now in the playoffs. But he's 34 and Ben Bishop is signed for three more years at $5 million per, almost $4.9 million per, and had a 9.20 save percentage this year. So Dallas had the luxury. Not, I thought it was 920. Best in the no, league. that's Huboden. That's Huboden. I'm oh. talking about Bishop. Oh, Bishop okay, had sorry. 920. So okay. Huboden had a 930. And so you can see why they're thinking, let's go to Huboden in the playoffs and go that's with him. True. But if Huboden wants to get paid more, and if he wants to be more chance of being the starting goal, he may pick elsewhere. Grice is in the same boat. He's not starting. Varlamov, Semyon Varlamov is. Varlamov signed long-term on a big deal. Grice... Again, if he wants to be the starter, wants more pay, he he had a 9.13 save percentage. He's been a good goalie four out of the five last, last seasons. Third, both those guys are 34. So those are two guys. Um, do, you wanna, do you have any thoughts on those two? Uh, yeah, well, Hudobin, I mean, Dallas is paying between the two goalies $7.4 million. Uh, so that's not too unrealistic. Like, I, I, I always put for goalies, you know, 10% of the salary cap because two out of your 20 guys, you know, on, so on, on your active roster. So, you know, eight or nine or 10% uh, yeah. is reasonable for your goalies. You don't want to be paying two $5 million guys, but you can afford a five and a two and a half. And I, I don't know how much more Hudobin likes. I suspect he's pretty happy with the situation in Dallas. He has been an excellent backup goalie for a number of teams over the years. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, you know, this year he played 30 games. And maybe, you know, maybe that's what you want. And Edmonton is a guy, you know, you don't need a guy who's going to play 60 games because he got cost. On the other hand, you can't be affording a second 
four and a half or five million dollar goalie to go with Koskinen. So he's in the range, but I sus- I anticipate Dallas will re-sign him and he'll get a raise, but not not a big raise. I mean, he's 34 years old, but uh, he's. Uh, I remember writing about him as a possible get maybe five summers ago when we were talking about goaltending, as we do every summer. And uh, he's you know he's gone on to to play well with good teams, and he you know that's his. His M.O., he's only once played 41 games as his career high. So he's a, you know, he's a number two. Right now he's playing because Ben Bishop is, is unavailable. Oh, is that right? Play. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So we I don't didn't know that. But a uh, nice backup option to have when your starter is down. A lot of teams would be would be hung out to dry if they lost their starter in the playoffs. But Dallas is not one of those teams. Yeah, I'm just trying to get a quick look at Dallas's cap situation for this coming year. It's hard to tell. We got a lot of money tied up in a lot of big players. So, uh, Grace Bruce, any thoughts on him? Uh, I've always kind of liked him, and he's the same kind of thing as you know. He's he's established himself as a as a career veteran backup goalie, and. Again, that's kind of what Oilers are looking for. This year he was 9-13, so a little little above average, but that's playing on a very strong defensive team run by uh, Barry Trotz. Uh, and the Oilers, I don't think, classify yet. I mean, it's hard, hard to translate how an Islanders goalie would do playing for the Oilers because, you know, the teams are, are so different. Uh, but he is, uh, let me bring him up here. How old is he? Uh, 34. And he's played, you know, 282 games at that advanced age and he's uh he was a starter uh he played 51 games one year that was his that was his top but he's posted better stats when he's been a backup uh but he, he's a decent option you know i would say a a cut above mike smith at this point but the same class of goalie that could push koskinen and play a bunch of games but not be expected to move in and take over as a, as a number one guy and they're so not decent yeah they're not looking for like they they really believe in alternating goalies now and i think this is kind of a new thinking in the nhl like the days of the you know goalie playing 60 65 games is going to be less common than it, than it was in the past i believe and uh grice could be he has been the starter before one or two years We're back ago in 1972 again david 50 50. Yeah. yeah gary smith and tony esposito that's the model <laughs> Mandatory 1970s goalie reference. Yeah, Jacques, Jacques. Uh, Ed, Ed Jacquemin and Gilles Villeneuve. Oh, I was there about to go. say that. I was about to say that. <laughs> Gilles Gilbert and Jerry Cheevers. Hmm. Do they play together? Am I wrong? About yeah, I that? believe I believe so. Although Cheevers went to the WHA for quite yeah, a while. Yeah, Jerry Cheevers and, and Ed Johnson split the duties down the middle when they won the Stanley Cup in '72. Wow. Dallas is right up against the cap, so maybe you know mm-hmm. I agree with you. Who, who Bowden? They, I, I see them probably, especially him playing in the playoffs and doing well. I, I can see them finding a way to try to get him. Um, so, but I think so. If I had to pick the two most likely guys to come in, I, I'm going with Grice or Matt Murray from Pittsburgh. Nice. So uh, Pittsburgh has two goalies; they're both RFAs, Murray and Tristan Jari. Tristan Jari really outplayed uh, Matt Murray this year. Uh, considerably, Matt Murray had an 8.98 save percentage, I believe, and I think Jari was 9.20. Right. Um, Matt Murray, I think the year before though, had a 9.18 save percentage. So apparently, he had some injury issues this year. He has helped his team 
uh, wins two, two Stanley Cups. Um, he is playoff proven. That goes a long way uh, in convincing a GM that he's worth having on your team. Somebody who can come through in the playoffs like that. Pittsburgh is apparently looking, Bob Stoffer keeps talking about how Pittsburgh is looking to shed salary, Bruce, and have less salary on that roster and not be a cap team, like pay 75 million, not 80 million. So I could see, you know, and there's also the expansion oh, draft <laughs> coming up here. So I see, you know, the Dan can. Kingersky of a Pittsburgh Hockey Now wrote a really interesting article about Matt Murray's value. He -hmm. pegged his value as a second round draft pick and uh, maybe a favor or a lower level prospect, which is not a high price to pay, even though the Oilers don't have a second round draft pick right now. But they have Jesse Pugliarvi, who could be probably had for cheap, who would probably love to go to Pittsburgh. They have Chris Russell, who's an interesting player in that He's got a $4 million cap hit, but if you're not up against the cap, it doesn't matter so much. And he only gets paid $1.5 million next year. So a team looking for an NHL defenseman, someone who can defend, kill penalties, play bottom pairing, maybe move up into your top pairings if need be, and is looking for to shed salary and still get a good player. Chris Russell's a, an interesting player for some teams like that. So I, Matt Murray, Bruce, is... Um, I would I would not at all be surprised to see him end up here. Yeah, he's he have to be a little expensive, eh? I mean, his platform, as I uh, I believe I saw, is three point seven five million. Yes, and he's an RFA, so I mean that's that's sort of the qualifying offer level. And you would think that you know with the Stanley Cups and so on in his resume, he'd probably be looking for. Uh, a raise. That said, coming off an 8.99 yeah. uh, season, that kind of, that kind of uh, uh, skewers his uh, his bargaining power to some extent. But I mean, he still got a lot of cachet with those two cup rings, and I mean, he was the he was the goalie uh, in both of those. But yeah, he had a uh, 3.75 million dollar uh, three year deal that he signed after uh, uh, the second of those two cups, and then. You know, his performance since then has been uh, not as strong. 907, 919, 899. And in the playoffs, 908, 906, 914. So not quite the 923 and 937 he put up in those two cup runs. He's, you know, he's been average in the playoffs. And the other issue here, which is overarching, which applies to Pittsburgh and quite a few other teams, is that with expansion coming up, they can only protect one goalie. So the teams that do have sort of two legitimately decent goalies are facing the prospect of losing one of them to uh, Seattle Kraken uh, in a year's time. And so some teams will be positioning themselves to uh, uh, to trade out a goalie <clears throat> or trade out a goalie and, and uh, uh, so that, you know, they're not going to lose them for nothing. So... There's a couple of teams to look at there, I think, especially New York Rangers and Columbus Blue Jackets that have uh, two, uh, sorry, just emerging goalies in each case, and they would be prime targets for Seattle. And so they might 
they might be looking to move on. And they, they can trade right up to the deadline. But, you know, goalies don't often, Robin Leonard exception, goalies don't often get moved at the deadline. Goalie moves generally get made in the offseason. So teams are settled in in net. So there's those might be two teams to, and there will be a lot of inquiries, and the price might be too high, and, the you know, the the contracts in question might be... Uh, might be uh, costly so but it, it's it, at least an avenue for investigation that uh, uh, for instance uh, Columbus they got Jonas Corpusalo and Elvis Merzlikens uh, you talk about Elvis left the building well that Elvis might be leaving that building and he makes they just signed him to an extension of four million so he's not he's not Do they free. have to protect both those guys as Merzlikens they can't protect they can't protect them both so and they're what, both what, 26 is, years old, on, and they're okay. on their second contracts. They're not, and okay, they're, gotcha. As far as I know, I mean, I'm, I think there's one extra year for goalies, but as far as I know, the Columbus situation is both of them are up for grabs, just like Pittsburgh with Matt Murray and Tristan Jerry, or New York Rangers with Shosturkin and Georgiev, uh, that maybe those teams will be looking to ch- change out one of those goaltending assets for something else that they can solve a problem at a different position and maybe protect so yeah i'm gonna go uh full gene principe here bruce on you and i'm gonna suggest that those teams don't have to get cracking on making a trade uh because there is you can wait till after next season it doesn't even have to be at the deadline you can just wait to before the expansion draft can you not and then you can make remember how that worked and uh, yeah that's 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 a good question i i it seems to me there was a certain point where you just couldn't do anymore because, you know, they didn't want teams pulling a bunch of shenanigans before Vegas got their chance to draft. But I would it's a few years ago now and I, and I don't have a real clear recollection on it. Sorry. It'd be interesting because I haven't done the next step in figuring out this whole market is figuring out which teams this year need a, another goalie, need a one or a one a goalie. And um there might not be that many, right? Because either because of contracts, like you, Florida, for instance, might want another goalie, but they just signed Bobrovsky, right? So they're they've got them, and and there's other teams like that that have have the goalie, and um, so it's a pretty good time to get another goalie, I think, and that's the other that's the other thing here, because you know I, I hadn't even thought of Columbus or St. Louis too with Billington and. Um, Jake Allen. And Allen, yeah. Yeah, so there's ben a number Allen's of teams. pretty expensive, but... He, he is. He's uh, $4.35 million. So the, I, I think the orders could stretch to about $4 million in there. And if you can stretch to $4 million, if you if it's, if it's your top priority, I think it's a pretty big priority, Bruce. Because I think the answer on defense isn't to add an expensive player. It's to shed, it's to shed contracts and go with younger guys on defense. So you solve that problem in that way, if you can. The answer at forward and maybe third line center, although honestly, I I, I, I think Gaetan Haas might be your third line center. And I know that's probably, that sounds like crazy talk to some people, but um, he's fast and he's a good hockey player and he's defensively responsible. But um, I think the answer at forward for McDavid's wing might not be as expensive as people think. Um, it could be Athanasio or Nigard. Uh, or both of them on the fastest line that we've ever seen in NHL history. It could be something like that uh, that's not that expensive. So I think that the owners may be able to go as high as, let's say, four or four and a half on another goalie. And frankly, Bruce, 
to me, that's where I would be. That's where I would spend my money this year on the Edmonton Oilers. I want to see them have two two really good bets in that. I think Koskinen has gone from being a 50-50 bet to being better than that. He's a he's a pretty good bet to have a decent year next year right. based on everything we've seen from him. And I'd like to see another goalie who's a pretty good bet uh, to have a, have a pretty good year uh, rather than just a 50-50 bet. So I hope that they do spend the money and I hope that they, they do bring someone in. Uh, Robin Leonard is another, he's going to be probably the big UFA out there unless... Vegas signs him, and I guess if if they don't, you could could you trade for Mark Andre Fleury? Would you want to? I haven't looked up his numbers recently. But. Seven million, two more years, I believe. It's seven million. And so if they keep Leonard, which I mean they're using Leonard, but uh, uh, there would be a very narrow market in which to move Mark Andre Fleury at his age and cap hit. I mean he's getting paid the same as Rask, but with two years, I think to run instead of one, as I. I looked it up yesterday. Uh, 905 oh. safe percentage, 35 years old, $7 million. Yeah, yeah. There's no thank mm-hmm. you. So, and then, of course, there's Frederick Anderson, who's falling out of favor in Toronto, who's mm-hmm. got uh, one year left at $5 million. Uh, but I'm not sure where the trade is. And the reason that he's fallen out of favor in Toronto is the same kind of thing that we're hearing Oilers fans say, which is, Letting in goals at bad times in the playoffs, and you know, those are the kind of things that stick. When uh, uh, you know he got uh, beaten on a shot from the goal line, trailing one nothing in the third period of the deciding game, that made it two nothing. They were dead right then and there because they were never going to score two in that game the way Corpusalo was playing. That was a game it was like Oilers' last game where you have to match the other goalie because he's on fire. Well, you, your guy needs to be too, and maybe the the. The, you know, the expectation set too high, but I think you do expect him to make the routine save. I want a goalie. I want a goalie for the Oilers who is good enough that if you're in a five-game series next year for whatever reason and you're in game four and the other goalie has had, is coming off an iffy game, that you can start that goalie, no questions mm-hmm. asked. That's the goalie I want first. And they don't... They, by their own actions, they didn't think Mike Smith was that goalie. So you need someone who's good enough to be that goalie. And now maybe if they'd started Mike Smith, he would have proven us all, you know, he would have, he would have shown everybody I that thought, he still is that goalie. I thought goalie. Smith was going to be the choice. I really did. And, and so I thought I. Like, Tippett was between a rock and a hard place at that point. And, and you could have rolled the dice with Smith and you could have, you know, he could have shot, rolled 7 11 or doubles, but there was every chance that he wouldn't. And there was no room for error, as we know. Yeah. Uh, God, I was thinking of the third third periods in game three and four. It just flashed in my head those horrible moments in Oilers history. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Have we covered it, Bruce? Is there anything else? Uh, any other goalies out there? Uh, the trade route is the other option. I keep mentioning this name, Antti Ranta, as a, as a guy on another team who, you know, maybe that's a deal for Chris Russell, right? Or... or where you trade cap hit for cap hit, but you you know you bring in yeah. what you need, which is a solid number two, and maybe what the other team needs is real cash savings, which is what they would achieve out of a trade like that. So there's you know the the trade route is is a very uh, realistic option at this point in time, but um, that you know that's uh, I don't think the orders in a pl- place where they can afford the top 
top of the line goalies like Robin Lehner. I don't think they could afford him on free agent market. So they're going to have to improvise somehow. Ranta is only 30 and he had a 921 save percentage this year, 906 the year before, 930 the year before that, 922 the year before that, 919 the year before that. Man, he's, he's, that's a very tempting Some health kind of issues, but he's a real, you know, he's a real good stopper. He was, he was Lundquist's backup in New York after Talbot, right up when they traded Talbot to Edmonton, Ranta got promoted there. And I've kind of been tracking him for a while. So watched him in, uh, uh, international play, but he's um, he's an interesting player, and he you know he would fit the bill of what they need for one year as long as he can stay healthy, which is a bit of an issue with that guy. And they have three goalies there, right? They've got Aiden Hill with mm-hmm. Ke- and Darcy Kemper and uh, and him. Darcy so Kemper. you can't keep all of them because because if you send Hill down, if, unless he's on his ELC, I'm not sure uh, you expose him to waivers. So. Um, yeah, lots. I think there's lots of options, and if and if Holland's going to take his time here, that's good. I don't think there's any need to rush because there's lots of goalies who are similar value, um, similar kind of bet. So why rush? Why be the first to you know charge in there and sign someone to a big Bob Brofsky of a contract and live to regret it? Um, you know, I, the only goalie I see maybe getting that well, Markstrom and Leonard. Um, might get that kind of pay. What about Braden Holtby? He's the final one that was on that I looked into. Um, he had a pretty iffy year. There's a young goalie there in um, Samsonov in Washington who's ready to go. Although Holtby is starting in the playoffs, so I'm not sure if Samsonov's hurt. But Holtby has been the starter, yes. and they, they won last night. And um, so, what do you think of him? He's 30 years old. He could. Uh, I don't see him getting top dollar, Bruce. Well, he's got the same, you know, he's got the Stanley Cup uh, resume, right? Yeah. And he, he was well thought of for a long time. But really, you know, um, he was a 920 goalie for the first seven years of his career, pretty much yeah. every year. And then the last three years, 907, 911, 897 this year. Oh. And so, you know, that's... Uh, uh, and his goals against average has soared to, you know, over three goals per game. So nothing there that screams special. And yet there are some people out there that think he's a target for Ken Holland and uh, uh, are looking at him getting, you know, a six or even seven million dollar cap hit, which I just don't see how they oh, do that. Oh, come on. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pessimists out there, too. Let's remember that. <laughs> a lot of people have seen how things go for the Oilers and expect the worst. And I mean, they're not oh. wrong in one sense, but I don't. Is that the, is that the position of the, for, is that uh, what the, the, uh, the fearful, not the faithful are, are thinking <laughs> in terms of the, the Oilers fearful are uh, thinking Holland might do. I don't, I mean, listen, okay. They, you know, we can all admit the casting contract was suboptimal, but right. um, he's come on. Brayton Holt, he's not getting like, who's going to be, splurging on a goalie like can Leonard even take advantage is there a team out there with that amount of cap space who can make room for Leonard it's let's say let's say Leonard wants Small six, number. six million a year okay let's pretend that I don't know what he's going to get he got five million this year he's had another good year he's playing well in the plus so let's say it's, he goes up to six six and a half who can afford that who who who's in need of a goalie who can also afford that Pretty unless Tuka Rask retires in Boston, then suddenly has a seven million dollar hole, right. and it's um, 
in this roster. I don't, I don't know. It, it's going to be a very different and interesting market, isn't it, this year? It's and that's what summer. none of us have got our heads around that. I don't think it's something to it's think a about. Tough summer for free agents. Period. Be that goalies or position players. You know, it's yeah, the, the market that they're entering with the flat cap and all the uncertainty. So I mean, the 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 numbers that you might set as an expected ask for a player probably don't apply for free agents this summer. And you're going to see guys sign for less than you than you normally would, and it's just going to be driven by the flat cap. The question is, I guess that we we can take a few guesses. It's how big is the discount going to be? Is it going to be mind boggling, mm-hmm. or is it going to be? Um, kind of expected kind of and and what this comes down to is there's a few unknowns we don't know how many nhl owners are absolutely strapped for cash and who have been just beat up beat up one side and down the other by this um covid19 pandemic and the economic conditions flowing out of it there could be four or five or six or seven or ten or half the owners who are absolutely have taken a beating and we don't even know it and are in some kind of financial trouble. And suddenly suddenly we go from a league with one or two Peter Pocklingtons to 10 or 15 who are looking, who are in that really tough position. Now that's, they're helped by the cap and they're helped by revenue sharing and all those things as well. But that could be, that could be we don't know that, Bruce, and that could be a huge factor. Well, revenue sharing, we don't know what the what kind of revenue there's going to be to share. We don't know how yeah. when the games will start. We don't know how big the crowds will be. We don't know how many people will be able to afford to renew their tickets at this point with all the uncertainty and job losses and everything oh. else. Like the whole thing is a huge schmazzle. Like the the big overarching big big picture is a scary mess. And uh, you know, underneath it we're trying to sort of find normalcy and and it's 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 pretty hard to to pin anything down. I mean, can you say with certainty that Daryl Cates is in great financial no. shape? I can't. No, but we haven't heard any signals. So, so there's a, a smoke signal out of Pittsburgh, let's mm-hmm. say, that they're looking to spend less money, right? right. They're look- so that's a, that's the kind of thing. That was the first time I've heard that. So that's the kind of thing we're going to hear more and more and more. It's going to be put out there in the media like, oh, well, a team is looking to spend. You know, they're not looking to be a cap team this year. They're looking to economize and, and you know, make do with, do just as well with 10% less, which was the old EIG philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Spend 10% less than the other guys, and just by your sheer smart and will and determination, you, you, you're able to compete with them. And it actually worked fairly well for the EIG, to give them credit. But we might start to hear that more as a norm. You know, w- what we have seen, Bruce, is baseball teams are traveling around and playing games. Soccer okay. teams, football teams, European football teams, um, are traveling around and playing games. So for the next, for the regular season, I can't imagine they're going to be in a bubble. Um, although who knows, maybe, maybe, maybe you're going to have um, mini bubbles where, you know, for a month, let's say eight teams go to one destination and they play each other a whole hell of a lot in that one month. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, maybe a week cooling off period. Yeah. And then they go to the next, then they split it all up and they go to a different bubble. Like, who knows what it's going to be? It depends because no one knows how this outbreak is going to go in the next. You know, it, it, it could just be terrible. Things could get a lot worse in the next uh, two or three months in North America and other northern climates. Or this could this could fade. And we just don't know the answer. We have no idea. So 
kudos. Yeah. Best to wait, I think. Yeah, well, that's it. right. So, and and I mean, just to get back briefly to your point about the players going, in, the agents, you know, how big of a bath will players be expected to take? Well, the agents are going to be saying, well, we know that whatever we sign for, we're going to be given 10% of it back in 2020, 2021. And we know that there's going to be a, 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 a clawback of uh, probably 20% of escrow. So we're already getting 70% of whatever dollar figure that we signed for. You can't expect us to sign for half of the player's former value and then lose 30% off of that. So, that, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, infighting, I suspect, over how to even set those values. Excellent point. And this is why I think you wait. This is why I think the smart GM, maybe I'm wrong about this, but this is my speculation of the moment. And uh, people can write their comments in. But I just think... There's going to be a huge amount of expectation adjustment of people having to get their heads around like, hey, this isn't what it was before at all. And the economic reality of this has to sink in for the agents and for the players. And it's going to the, the GMs are going to start to get their budgets, right? They're, but mm -hmm. they, they don't even have that yet. They don't know. And, and so they're in, like there's the there's the cap. But then there's also the, the internal budget. How much revenue does that owner have? How much is he going to get? And if there's no home games, how many of them are going to be willing to spend 20 or $30 million of their own on their pet project that they're going to just throw out the window on player salaries this year because they're such hockey fans? How many, how many of these guys can... How yeah. can it cover it all? So what owners are going to be able to willing, are able or willing to take that kind of hit? And... We don't know about Daryl Cates in Edmonton. Maybe Ken Holland isn't. Maybe Daryl Cates doesn't even know at this point. So um, I think the smart GM will wait for expectations and the harsh reality to sink in with many players. And when you start to get desperate players, that's when you start to get really good deals for the teams. And, uh, you know, we saw that with Riley Sheehan, Chris Russell. Um, in recent years, where they both signed when they came to the team one-year deals below market value, I think, for both players. Alex Chase on first time around, right? So yeah, wait. the first year they signed. Yeah, was, so, so wait for that kind of deal to late. come your way. And, and I think it will be coming your way because the opposite end of that was the Zach Cassian deal signed just before this whole thing started where you got, where you're going to get, where you got bonked on the noggin and you've, you've now paid probably twice what you would have paid in both term and cap hit for Zach Cassian um, because you moved fast. Now that was, I'm not criticizing Ken Holland for moving fast because who knew? No one, no one, no one, not one person on Twitter even brought up, Hey, that Zach Cassian contract is way too much because the COVID is going to hit. So no one, not one person no, said it at the time. What I did hear was that I'd rather have a hungry Cassian in the playoffs. Yes, like there was criticism of the deal. There was that. other so types of criticism that? of the deal, and that's fair. But there wasn't the COVID criticism. So, uh, but there was lots of criticism of the deal at the time. Probably what thirty, a third of the fans were probably making fairly reasonable critiques. Maybe even half of the fans reasonable critiques of that deal. So, alrighty. Anything else on the goalies, Bruce? Or are we done? Uh, other than I wouldn't be waiting for your classic September pre-training PTO style contract to sign a goalie. No, so maybe position player. So that is something they'll need to resolve in, in good time. But uh, I agree, you know, not rushing. I mean, just taking stock. And I think that's what, uh, 
what Holland and company are doing now and will be doing uh, for much of the playoffs. So, yeah. And things will change based on the play of these various players in the playoffs. I guess my point is the goaltending thing is probably not something that you try to fix before free agency or first or second day of free agency. It's like a, it's like a third to 10th day of free agency uh, move that you make. You see what's left. You see who... You don't go and sign Jonas Gustafsson on July 1st, like the Oilers did that one year? Goose? No, you don't. <laughs> and maybe that was the right... I don't know. Was that the right move? Like, depends on the market. Some years, there's, it to. seems like... Some years, it seems like there's... Like, what... It always seems in the past, Bruce, like, whatever the Oilers most needed was in short supply. And whatever the Oilers had to trade, oh, there was lots of that out there. Like, you couldn't get full lots value for your wingers. wingers out there. Yeah, you couldn't get full. So you had to give up Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, right? Because you couldn't get, like, who had a defenseman to trade that year? Nobody. But this year, this year, there does seem to be a number of goalie options for both because of COVID, the cap, expansion. All these things have come together. So for that particular market, this is a good year to get a goalie. And I think they're going to get another goalie because of that. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that the uh, that that majority position, keep Koskinen, uh, move on from Mike Smith, is uh, a, a highly likely scenario. And so it's just a matter of how, what do you find at what price point, and you know what kind of term, so on. I mean, the thing is, if they got a goalie that emerges as number one, they can expose Koskinen to Seattle, and it's probably not the end of the world, right? Well, that's it. Like, you just go with who's ever best because by then you have one more year of Skinner. You've had a year of Rodrigue. You, Skinner may well be ready um, to be an NHL number two goalie after one more year, wherever he's going to play, if he plays, kind of thing. Okay. Thanks for talking, Bruce. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.